If you've got your Bibles, turn this morning to Genesis chapter 50. Genesis chapter 50. Let's stand as we open God's Word together. I'll be reading beginning with verse 15. We'll read verses 15 through 21, Genesis chapter 50. While you're standing and finding your place, let me say uh, again and reiterate with Pastor Ben a big welcome to all of our guests today. I've met several guests. We're so glad you chose to worship with us here at Trinity this morning, and uh, we pray that God will uh, do something special in your life today while you're here. If you found your place in Genesis chapter 50, uh, we'll begin with verse 15. It says, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, perhaps Joseph will hate us and may actually repay us for all the evil which we did to him. So they sent messengers to Joseph saying, before your father died, he commanded saying, thus you shall say to Joseph, I beg you, please forgive the trespasses of your brothers and their sin, for they did evil to you. Now, Please forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to them or, or spoke to him. Then his brothers also went and fell down before his face, and they said, Behold, we are your servants. Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for I for am I in the place of God. But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. Now, therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly or graciously to them. Father, we thank you for the example of this man of integrity named Joseph. Certainly had his own battles throughout his life and experienced great victories. Now that as a mature leader in the land of Egypt, he is modeling grace and forgiveness. Lord, I pray that we would all do the same, that we will learn not only from the example of Joseph, but from, more importantly, the example of Jesus, how to love and forgive for the glory of God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And you can be seated. When I mentioned to several folks that I was preparing a series on the hot potatoes, subjects that are difficult to touch on from time to time, I was kind of surprised to get feedback asking uh, for me to touch on the subject of forgiveness, especially of certain sins. And one of the questions was placed like this, do we have to forgive every sin that's done against us? And so I titled the message this morning, do I have to forgive even that And the truth of the matter is, I can't fill in the that for you this morning. That's something that the Spirit of God has to fill in. You know what the that is in your life. You know what the that is in your home, in your family, in your community, in this church. You know what goes in that blank. But I want us to look at it in the context of what Joseph had experienced and then hear some words from God and and from our Lord in in various passages this morning and see if we can get some instruction and empowerment to forgive as God forgives. I heard the story of a couple of monks who were on their way to a village to do some ministry, and as they were on their way to this particular village in, in Europe several centuries ago, they came to this stream that had risen because of some flood waters and it was very rapid and 
And uh, there was a lady that was sitting there. She was very prim, very proper. She wanted to go and help, but she didn't want to get too dirty, didn't want to get wet. And so these two monks offered to carry this lady, rather large lady, across the river and set her down on the other side so that she could go on her way to help out as well. And so they carried her across this river, got to the other side, sat her down, and they continued on their journey. And one of those monks kept complaining that his back was hurting. He said, can you believe she made us carry her across that river? Man, my back is killing me. My knees are hurting. I don't know if I can go on. The sun is unbearable. He just kept complaining. He said, the other monk, he would just smile and he would just grin. And he was just saying, hey, man, let's go serve. Let's, let's do this for the Lord. But the first monk kept saying, man, my back, this is excruciating pain. I can't hardly walk. I can't hardly go on. Well, this went on and on for hours. And finally, after about five hours of their trip, their journey, one of the monks who was very happy and had not complained a bit, looked at him and said, you know what your problem is? The other monk said, no, I, I don't know. What's my problem, we, that we carried this large woman across the river? He said, no. He said, it, it's the fact that five hours ago, I sat her down. You've been carrying her ever since. He couldn't let it go. He had to keep on discussing it and, and was feeling excruciating pain as a result of it. You know, bitterness Carrying something longer than God intended us to carry it, unforgiveness, will affect us certainly spiritually, and we know that. But do you realize that the spiritual will over time begin to affect the psychological and ultimately affect us physiologically because we choose not to forgive or let something go? Joseph had plenty of moments to be angry about. (laughs) Joseph had Plenty of moments that he could have held on to throughout his life. But you know what he did? He chose to go on with God and live for the glory of God and get in on what God had for him, which, by the way, was often mind-boggling to Joseph and to all those that knew Joseph. From the pit from when his brothers cast him in and sold him into slavery, when he was taken down to Egypt, When his brothers went back and told his father Jacob that he was dead, to the time that he had risen to a place of prominence in Potiphar's house, but was accused falsely by Potiphar's wife and ultimately placed in prison as a result of that, but because of his faithfulness and obedience and his devotional life with God and interpreting these dreams for the Pharaoh, eventually Joseph finds himself in a great position of leadership Joseph refused to be held back by bitterness and unforgiveness and kept moving on and getting in on what God had for him. You know, God brings his brothers back into his life in Genesis toward the the last 10 chapters. We begin to read about the impact of uh, Joseph's life and how his brothers had to come because of the drought. And so God brings his brothers back into his life. And though it was not easy for Joseph, he had demonstrated forgiveness and he walked through this process kind of tested his brothers a little bit, then he revealed himself to his brothers, he provided for their needs, and now Jacob has died. The brothers are a little bit worried about how Joseph will respond, but he does so in a very Christ-like manner. You know, we were singing a moment ago, and I believe Jeff referred to the verses from Matthew chapter 6 and verse 12 in his prayer. Jesus said, when we pray, we're to say, Father, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. But he goes on after the prayer 
Jesus says this. He says, for if we do not forgive those who trespass against us, how will our Father in heaven forgive us? In other words, we show a, a shallow understanding of grace when we refuse to show the kind of forgiveness that we desire to receive from God. And what's the purpose of all that? If you continue to read it, Matthew chapter 6, you'll see what we looked at in our life group time this morning, Matthew six thirty three. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. In other words, as we learn to, to live as kingdom citizens and get in on the will of God and pursue the kingdom first, then there are going to be things in this world we have to quickly let go of. And much of that is concerned with who has hurt us or sinned against us. Do we have to forgive even that? Yes, to move on for the glory of God in the kingdom of God, we have to forgive even that. Joseph provides us then with what I will call three liberating dispositions. Three liberating dispositions. If we will learn these dispositions as Christians and embrace these principles, then we will live liberated from the bondage of bitterness and unforgiveness, and we will be able to impact our world for the glory of God to a much greater degree. The first disposition we see is this. Number one, recognize the power of your emotions. Recognize the power of your emotions. Now, somebody like me, sometimes I just want to kind of rush past this. Uh, Most people will tell you my highs aren't too high, my lows aren't too low, I'm kind of even kill. But for a lot of us, Our emotions are where we get bogged down in this process of forgiveness. And so when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, that's an emotionally vulnerable time in their life, but certainly in the life of Joseph. They said, perhaps Joseph will hate us. It's a strong emotional term there. Perhaps he will hate us and may actually repay us for all the evil we've done to him. That's not what Joseph did, is it? So they they sent messengers to Joseph. They're like, hey, before your father died, here's what he said. He said, please forgive the trespasses of your brothers and their sin. No, they did evil to you. They, They treated you wrong, Joseph, but I want you to be forgiving. Now, please forgive the trespasses of the servants of God, of your father. Joseph, what did he do? He expressed his own emotions at this point, not emotions of hate but emotions of grief and loss and perhaps frustration and hurt. Everything came together. It says Joseph wept. He expressed his emotions at this moment. This had been an emotional battle for Joseph, his brothers coming back into his life. He had already moved on, but all of the feelings seemed to come back at this moment. You might be thinking before when it comes to the subject of this message. I've tried to forgive. I've tried to forget. I've tried to move on, but I can't help the way I feel. You know what? That's okay. Just be careful to never confuse feelings with facts. Don't confuse feelings with actions. Corey Ten Boom. Easy for me to say. Corey Ten Boom. Uh, You've heard her story, many of you have. She was a Dutch Christian whose family helped many Jews escape the Nazi Holocaust. And I believe that it was uh, in the book, Tina, you're going to have to help me with the name of the book again. The Hiding Place, thank you. There was a movie made from that and everything. 
when recalling the atrocities of having been in prison, she was arrested, her family was arrested for the time they spent serving these and saving the Jews from the Holocaust. After being in prison, she was recalling the atrocities that she had experienced, and she shared with her pastor feelings of bitterness. And she said, Pastor, I have forgiven. I've taken all of these steps to forgive. I've decided to let go. I've decided to move on. But certain things happen, and and the feelings come back. And I just, I I don't feel like I've completely forgiven because I have all these feelings. And the pastor began to explain, forgiveness is an action. It's not a feeling. And if you've taken the right steps, and you've done what God's called you to do, eventually, the feelings will dissipate. And he pointed out the fact that they had a, there at the church had a large bell tower, and sometimes the one who would go to ring the church bells would pull real hard on those ropes and tug on those ropes real hard. And he says, you know what? After he lets go of the ropes, those bells will continue to ring. They will continue to clang, but they will get slower and slower and begin to fade away till you don't hear them anymore. And he said that period of where you felt the the pain of all those things that were committed against you in in this time of being held in prison, he said those were days that you were pulling the rope, that you were tugging hard on the rope. But then, he said, you've let go of the rope. When you forgave, when you did the actions of forgiveness, you let go of the rope, but throughout life you're going to hear a ring here and a clang there. And it's going to make you feel at that moment like perhaps you haven't forgiven, like perhaps you haven't let go. But if you've gone through the actions of forgiveness and you've let go, then the, the sound will get more and more faint over time. And she discovered that to be true in her life. You know, it's been said, emotions are great servants. They allow us to express how we feel about certain moments that happen in our life. But emotions are horrible masters. Horrible masters. John Maxwell has said something I often repeat, and that is that hurting people hurt people. In other words, if we're not aware of our emotions, if we don't express our emotions, if we we don't deal with our emotions, then we will kind of be like that that dog that's just been beat up in a fight, somebody, a human being goes to help that dog, that dog will hurt you. Uh, An injured, wounded animal becomes a dangerous animal. So when we're wounded, when we're hurt, we have to work through these emotions. And in the midst of the process, we have to choose love over emotions. They were afraid that Joseph was going to hate them. Here's what Proverbs 10, 12 says, hatred stirs up contention, but love covers a multitude of sins, literally a variety of sins. So we need to come to that place in our life where we say, you know what, I'm going to show, and by the way, here's the cool thing. When we use a word like hatred, a lot of emotion comes to mind. But the word love in Scripture is always action. It's not emotion. It's action. It's a choice. And so we have to make a choice to love, and that choice to love will cover a multitude of sins. Paul Meyer, in his book, Don't Let Jerks Get the Best of You, don't look at your spouse when I give you that title, but Paul Meyer in his book, Don't Let, the Jerks, Don't Let Jerks Get the Best of You, says when you feel angry or hurt, A, analyze your feelings rationally and calmly. B, verbalize your feelings as lovingly as possible. But then C, neutralize your feelings through 
forgiveness. Meyer understood a biblical principle. If you want to be happy, you want to enjoy life, you want to move on for the kingdom of God, you have to neutralize your feelings through forgiveness. Well, let's look at the second disposition that will help us with that process. Regard problems in light of God's sovereignty. Regard problems in light of God's sovereignty. By sovereignty, God's sovereign plan for your life and for my life. His brothers also went, verse 18, they fell down before his face. And they said, behold, we are your servants. Well, let's think back in the life of Joseph. This had to be a reminder of God's sovereign hand in his life because Joseph had had a dream. As a matter of fact, he got in trouble with his brothers for bragging about the dream. But he had had a dream that one day his brothers would come and bow down to him. And this is happening. But he sees it with much more mature eyes than the spoiled brat that he was back when he was living at home and Jacob was spoiling him rotten. But it was a posture he had envisioned nonetheless. Joseph said to them, Don't be afraid, for am I in the place of God? Don't be afraid. You know what Joseph was doing to his brothers right here? He was saying, At ease. <laughs> he was giving them permission to relax. And see, when we understand that we're not God, we've been forgiven as much as we'll ever have to forgive, we will give the people around us permission to relax no matter what they've done to us. Relax. It's okay. Don't fear. What does our flesh say? Our flesh says, no, I'm uptight. Come on, parents, you're with me on this, right? Our flesh says, I'm uptight, and if I'm uptight, I'm going to make you feel uptight because I feel uptight. Another way of saying that is, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy, right? Well, that could be true with daddy, too. Daddy ain't happy. If I'm uptight, if I can't get over this right now, then you're not going to get over this. If I can't relax right now, you're not going to relax. So when we understand the sovereignty of God, that God is in control, then we will set at ease those who are around us. But if we can't shake it off, neither do we want those around us to shake it off. Even if there must be confrontation, you're saying, wait a minute, sometimes, sometimes, pastor, you know, my brother, my sister, my mom, my dad, my son, my daughter, you don't know what they did. This needs to be handled. This needs to be dealt with. That's true, but Galatians chapter 6 says, you who are spiritual... Confront it in a spirit of gentleness. So first of all, we get the log out of our own eye. And in a spirit of humility and gentleness, we still set at ease those we are confronting. We don't come with that approach, I'm going to give them a piece of my mind, because most of us can't afford that, right? We relax. We set at ease those around us with the spirit of gentleness, Galatians says, we confront. Like, like a doctor who's setting a broken bone, we're restoring them in that process. Colossians 4, 6, let your words be with grace. What does that mean? Grace, better than they deserve. Speak to people better than they deserve to be spoken to. Seasoned with salt. Well, why was Joseph able to do this? See, Joseph understood something. Long before Paul had written to the church at Rome, he understood the, he understood the principle of Romans 8, 28. God is working all things together for the good of them who love the Lord and are called according to his purposes. 
Joseph says in verse 19, Relax, verse 20, as for you, you meant it for evil against me, but God had a plan. God was working all this. My being sold into slavery, my being accused by Potiphar's wife, this whole process, God was putting together a wonderful plan to get me right where he wanted me to do what he has called me to do, which will result in the lives of many being saved and the propagation of a nation out of our family. It's a wonderful place for Joseph to be in realizing this. Sometimes in our anger, in our frustration, in our bitterness, it's not really that brother or sister, that mom or dad, that child that we're so upset with. We're really deep in our heart of hearts as Christians saying, God, I'm angry at you because you allowed this to happen. You allowed this to happen to me. You allowed this to happen to somebody in my family. And God, I don't get it. I don't understand it. A young new pastor who was pastor of a church was referred to as 4th Street didn't show up for a wedding. Well, that's a bad deal. Pastor Ben, I'm glad you showed up for the wedding yesterday, right? Well, this young pastor didn't show up for a wedding. Hurt the couple deeply that the pastor didn't show up. They had to plan around that. Of course, they didn't ask this pastor to do the wedding. Thirty years later, Carolyn Underhill, whose wife had pastored, uh, uh, the wife of whose uh, husband who had pastored this church, she meets a man at a yard sale. She introduces herself and says, my husband is pastor of Fourth Street Church, and the man said, let me tell you something about your husband. And I don't like that preacher, and I don't go to church today as a result of that preacher. Your husband... 30 years ago on my wedding day, didn't show up for my wedding, and I hadn't set foot back in that church or any other church in the past 30 years. Mrs. Underhill said, that's interesting. My husband's only been the pastor there for 25 years. See, what this gentleman didn't realize is that church got a new pastor five years later. And for 25 years, he had been taking out his anger and frustration on the wrong pastor. Not that he shouldn't have let it go to start with, but sometimes our anger is misplaced. When we're robbing ourselves and others of kingdom service and blessing, sometimes we're we're mad at a person, but deep down we're really mad at God because we're saying, God, why did you allow this to happen to me? or someone that I loved. Perhaps we should be saying, God, in the midst of this trial, what are you trying to show me? How would you have me respond in this situation in a way that would bring glory to you, advance the kingdom of God, and set at liberty others that can serve you as well? And then we get to the third disposition, and this is the most difficult of all three. Release people, including yourself. By the way, the greatest victim of bitterness is not the one you're bitter at, but it's yourself. Release people, including yourself, from the bondage of unforgiveness. Now, therefore, Joseph says, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. 
and he comforted them, and he spoke kindly. He spoke graciously. The Hebrew literally says here, he spoke to their hearts. He spoke with that that same emotion, but with a tenderness now. He spoke to their hearts. Joseph alleviates fear. He reinforces the relationship. And let's not oversimplify how we arrive at this point. It wasn't just as easy as saying it. Sometimes it's a process. And Joseph had went through a process. He had tested the authenticity of his brothers. He wanted to make sure that they weren't going to do the same thing to Benjamin that they did to him. And he had them go and get Benjamin. And he held Benjamin back to see if they were going to take up for Benjamin. And they did. But he began to see the sincerity of his brothers. His goal was to quickly come together for the sake of Jacob, whose name, by the way, was changed to Israel. This family, when we talk about moving on for the kingdom of God, this family had to come together because they were the foundational family for the kingdom of God. Just like in the same way, your family needs to stand together through thick and thin and get over those things that you do that hurt one another. Forgive and move on. And as a church family, has to come together for the glory of God and be unified and move on to advance the kingdom of God. Jacob had Joseph had worked through this process. So how do, we, how do we get the past in the past? How do we get past sin and move on? Well, first, we need to learn to overlook minor offenses. Say, what, do you, what do you mean, just blow it off? Overlook minor offenses. What I mean is Proverbs chapter 19, and verse 11 said, it, it is the glory of a man to overlook a matter. It is the glory of a man to overlook a matter. So we need to learn to overlook minor offenses. Offenses according to Proverbs 19.11. What are those minor offenses that we need to look, o- overlook? Those things that we don't need to try to do something about. These are the hard ones sometimes for some of us guys. But if you're cut off in traffic, guilty. Don't have to prove to them that they cut you off. See how fast you can flop on the rear end and get on your horn. Let it go. Road rage might get you killed. A forgotten birthday is a minor offense in the scheme of things. Not in every family, huh? Unintentional offenses. Somebody just didn't mean to say that. They didn't mean to hurt your feelings. Personality differences. Listen, if we only hang out and forgive and and move forward with the people that are good matches for us personality-wise, there are only about eight or ten other people in the world that we would move forward with. Spilled milk. Or simply a a rare thing that a person did who hurt you that you realize that that is very rare for them to do. It's a minor offense. Overlook it. Drop it. As Robert E. Lee said to the lady who was complaining about the tree that the Union forces had destroyed when they came through her land in Kentucky, he said, lady, cut it down and forget about it. Just move on. It's a minor offense. It's a little thing in the big scheme of things. So let's move on. So first, overlook minor offenses. Second, forgive as God forgives. Forgive as God forgives. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. What sins has Christ died for? All of them. What sins are we called to forgive? 
all of them. Ken Sandy, the author of the book, The Peacemaker, points out that the Bible speaks of two kinds of forgiveness. And I think this is going to help some of you, so I want to share this with you before we close in a little bit of detail here. He speaks of positional and transactional forgiveness. Positional forgiveness. Let me explain positional forgiveness. Ken Sandy says positional forgiveness is unconditional and is a commitment you make to God. By the way, you make this commitment right away. Luke 6, uh, 28 through 29, bless those who curse you. Pray for those who spitefully mistreat you. This is what led Jesus to say, turn the other cheek. You don't have to wait for them to ask for this. You don't have to wait for them to show repentance. Positional forgiveness happens at the moment you just decide, I am going to let that go. As Stephen forgave those who were stoning him to death in Acts chapter 7, as they were throwing the rocks with no spirit of remorse or repentance, Stephen says, Father, I forgive them. Even saying, don't hold this to their account. You promise to strive to maintain a loving and a merciful attitude towards someone who has offended you. Sandy goes on to say it is a decision to make the first promise of forgiveness, which means you will not dwell on the hurtful incident or seek vengeance or retribution in thought, word, or action. Instead, by God's grace, you will keep yourself in a position of forgiveness in which you pray for the other person and are ready to pursue complete reconciliation when the other person repents and is ready for restoration. This is a picture of Jesus on the cross saying, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. That did not mean they were going to heaven. It didn't mean that they had a relationship with Christ. That's a different type and a different level of forgiveness. He wasn't saying this to restore their position with the Father. He was saying this to stay in right position, Father and Son. He would not die with unforgiveness and bitterness in his own life. He was the sinless Son of God. What sins? Those sins for which Christ died. Well, we know that Paul was a murderer. David was an adulterer. Scandal after scandal after scandal among people of God in the Bible, God forgives and restores. Murder, adultery, slander, you name it. There's another type of forgiveness that takes place when the relationship can be restored fully, and that is what he calls transactional forgiveness. Positional forgiveness is placing yourself in the position of forgiveness regardless of whether or not they've asked for it or how they've responded. Transactional forgiveness is conditional, and it's conditional on repentance and a desire for the restoration of the one who did the offense, or by the one who did the offense. The gentle confrontation gives the benefit of the doubt for any expression of sorrow and repentance. If the person is expressing any kind of sorrow, any kind of repentance towards you and toward God, if they express a desire to be right with God and a desire to be right with you, then you receive it sincerely and graciously and allow them to work through the process as Joseph did. Don't make them make everything perfect again any more than you're always perfect before them. You're working with them through this process. You're removing the fear. You're not demanding they walk a tightrope for you or walk on eggshells around you. You're saying, I've forgiven you. Positionally, I've let it go. Practically, transactionally, with some sincerity, with repentance and faith, the relationship now can be restored. 
And I realize it's a process and we're going to work through that and everything's going to be all right. Why? Because we've got bigger things. Our relationship, our family, we've got bigger things to focus on than be bogged down with unforgiveness, with bitterness. You know, it's coming to a place in your life where you say, I can't lose my joy because of something someone else perpetrated against me. I've got to move on. So I put myself in that position of forgiveness. And then when they come and show a desire for reconciliation, remorse, repentance, the relationship is restored. And you begin to move forward together for the glory of God. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads with me.